It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, Rick Brewing of Musketeer Report. Let's start with uh, with UC playing uh, over the weekend and winning the Emerald Coast Classic. Um, George Mason, Mississippi are not going to be NCAA tournament teams, but still, nonetheless, two pretty good wins. I mean, George Mason's not very good, but, but Ole Miss is decent. They've got some guys in the backcourt that are really talented and... You know, they're 75 or so in, in Ken Palm. So not, you know, anything to write home about. But you're start. I think more than anything, you're just you're starting to see some some growth from this team and this team starting to understand who it is and how they need to play. I mean, if you go back to Ohio State, they stood around a three point line and chuck threes. I don't think they've taken more than 15 threes in a game since. I mean, they're, they're attacking the rim. They're getting to the free throw line in both of the games. They made more free throws than the opponent attempted, which for a team that's constructed like this, you almost have to do. Um, I think that's going to be a critical way for them to get points. Guys are starting to settle into roles, and, uh, you know, Kane Broom's on track now, it looks like. Um, Jaron Cumberland is is starting to understand what it means to be the go-to guy every night. And I think they're maybe a little bit ahead of where I thought they would be six or seven games into the season. Um, not by a considerable amount, but, I, I mean, they're they're playing pretty well. Well, we talked after the Ohio State game um, of, of the deficiencies of this team. We talked also about you were going to hit a sport portion of the schedule that's going to allow you to, to fix some of those things yep. and see some of these things expand. The question is, when you go back to playing the better teams on the schedule – Will they be able to play the way they are playing right now and do the things that you're talking about? It, it it shows itself right now. Will you be able and will you do it when you face a little more adversity than what you're facing right now? Yeah, I mean, I think Ole Miss was a good stepping stone to get back into you know playing at that level. Um, and I thought outside of about a seven minute stretch, they pretty much dominated that entire game. So it's going to still be inconsistent. I mean, because they're going to have to adjust when the level of competition rises. I, I, this isn't a team that you're going to count on every night out. You know exactly what you're going to get from them because guys are still you know, developing into 25, 30-minute-a-game guys. Yeah, are you starting to get the feeling, though, that, you're, that, that Jaron Cumberland does know that he has got to be the guy yeah. every single night? And really, for them to win against high-level competition, he is probably going to have to get 20 as opposed to the, what we thought was maybe 15, 16-ish. He's going to have to do even a little bit more, I think, than what, what we thought before the season he had to do. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if it's – the problem is he still hasn't shot it well at all. Um, yesterday – Well, he had 13 of 14. 13, 13 of 14 from the, the free throw line, line yeah. which is where he did most of his damage yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean – the 15 to 17 we knew he was going to have to get he's going to have to get um if he's assertive early i think which is a bit of a problem from for him because he's not a right out of the jump he kind of his natural nature is to get in the flow of the game and then start turning it up while well, he he can't do that he he's got to be from the opening tip right. engaged and ready to go i think he's learning that portion of it um 
more so than you know maybe he thought he was going to have to be when the season started. Well, I mean, if you look back at last year, you could coast into games, yeah. right? You could ease yourself into a game. It would be gravy if you got off to a great start. If not, you got three other guys that got a chance to do that, and you could you can be an afterthought. Well, and a lot of the game plan last year, early in games, was get it inside, sure, and establish inside, and then work from inside out. They don't really have that luxury. Uh, Trayvon Scott's played pretty well so far. He's right around 10 points a game. Um, I think Nizier Brooks is is starting to come along. I still think he has a ways to go, but he's providing them some rim protection uh, and rebounding and, and a little bit of the, you know, the toughness inside that you expect. But, yeah, Jaron has to be engaged and ready to put points on the board from the opening tip. Uh, let's talk about Xavier for a little bit. We'll get back to you, here in just a second about the week ahead. Um, coming off the, the, the Maui Invitational, and, and we talked a little bit on the, about this Wednesday, but, I, I mean, if you look back at the whole tournament, two and one was the best you were going to do. One and two would have was, was, was probably going to be what it was after you lost that first game. Because I mentioned, even if you'd have won the second game, I still don't know if you beat Iowa State. I really don't. So, I, well, overall, I mean, I, I know people have lost their mind a little bit about this. I didn't think it was an awful, awful trip, but there are some some still issues that have to be ironed out for sure, especially with Quentin Gooden to some degree. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the role thing, like, I mean, Chad talked about, both teams are going through that. And the one clear thing right now is the two guys that you expected to be kind of your top two players probably in Najee Marshall and Quentin Gooden – they definitely had big role changes this year, and they just haven't adapted to them well at all so far. And I don't know if Quentin being out the first month of the season, missing the first game, trying to get back into there and make things happen right away, kind of messed up his mindset a little bit because he kind of played out of character first few games. He and Paul Scruggs are taking a ton of shots right now. They have to find a way, while still being aggressive and, and being contributors offensively, to make plays for everybody else. They have to find out, how can we get Najee Marshall going? Because Najee Marshall has to be their best offensive weapon, and then the other two guards can kind of play off of Najee, I think. Yeah, I mean, for both of these teams, when it always seems easy that there's there's the next guy to step into the main role, right? There's the, like Jaron Cumberland, in the case of Najee Marshall. And sometimes it just isn't that easy. Some guys aren't comfortable in that role. You think that all athletes are alpha dogs, and all are not. Most at that level are, but not all of them. So I, don't even, I wouldn't even say most. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, that, I think what everybody you think assumes that because you were the man in your high school team, and boy, it, it should be good for you that you're getting more opportunities to score, more opportunities to take shots. Well, that doesn't always... It doesn't always translate that way. Well, and not within the first six games of the season right. when you're fitting in three grad transfers or, you know, in UC's situation, they're fitting in new guys into a system that barely saw time last year. Like, everything's changing for these two teams. So you got to judge it based off that, and six games is way too soon to do so. That being said, there's been some things that's like, man, that's really disappointing, defense especially. Sure. We heard so much about how improved the defense would be. It's nowhere near that. Now, some of that, I think, is – all these new guys, there's a lot of miscommunications going on. I mean, the help side defense and ball screen coverage that we've talked about a few times is just, it's awful, but it's also a thing where almost every occasion you see it's a yes. new guy doing right. it. And it's right. like, they don't understand how they play in that system yet. And the pack line, they're used to looking at their man more so than being help side. So those types of things can be fixed. Um, we're just not to that point yet. Going back to the tournament this weekend, it's just the San Diego State loss was disappointing. Yes. Fans have every reason to be upset about it. But then you come back and you play fairly well against Illinois. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's still reason to be optimistic and think this team can get better. But they're about what we said before the season, which is 
they got a chance to maybe sneak into the tournament as an 11-10 type, last team in the tournament type team. Uh, it, it feels like the season keeps starting earlier and earlier. It really doesn't, but it always feels that way because you start that first week of November. Uh, a lot earlier than it, it, it used to be. It, it used to be, yeah. Late November uh, was probably the start time for like the most the part. Thanksgiving right around now was the start time. Now, that also leads to probably having a little more difficult games early on for everybody, and sometimes there's years you can handle that, and sometimes there are years that aren't. Um, and I think for fans, I think you have to look at it and just realize that what you're seeing now is not what you're going to see in mid to late December and when conference play rolls around and as you get deep into conference play. And some of that may not be for the best either, but it's just seasons evolve, and I think that's where everybody gets stuck on it. Well, this is what they're going to be. They're going to be a team that's going to struggle on defense. Quentin Gooden's never going to be able to make a shot. Najee Marshall's never going to take a step forward. Uh, Kane Broom's always going to suck. Uh, People are Trevor Moore transferring. Yeah, correct. I mean, there's all of those. He's already out. There's all of those things, and I think that's where you have to look and realize we're not even even out of November yet. There is so much practice time, game time, um, some chances to blow people out and feel good about yourself, some chances to get challenged and see how good are you. That, that you can't go over your skis either way right now. Well, it's so silly for Xavier fans to be doing that because it hasn't been their really good teams, the teams that have had excellent, uh, yes. flawless regular seasons that make runs in the tournament. It's been the teams that have it, developed over evolved. the course of this season, and by the end of the year, they're much better than they were you know, in the non-conference. This is also two fan bases that have been spoiled for three years. Sure, sure. More than anything. Gary Clark, ju- sophomore, junior, senior. Jacob Evans, freshman, sophomore, junior. Four years of of uh, JP and and Trayvon, we've been spoiled. Like it's you just come into the season, we're gonna be good, and the problems that we have are gonna be mitigated by the fact that we have these guys that are gonna mask over a lot of our issues. Well, right now, UC probably has the guy most ready in Jaron. Yeah, because I I th- I still think Najee and and Q and and those guys are learning to grow into that for Xavier, but Jaron still has problems like we just talked about. So this is far from what these teams are going to look like in January. The problem is you got to still get some wins in November no and question. December along no the question. way. No question. The the go-to guy, the alpha dog, lead scorer, all that stuff. One thing I think that's interesting about Xavier's situation is they don't have – I think it is easier to – come into that role, step into that role, if you're a bucket getter, if you're a natural scorer, right. none of Xavier's best players right now are is their best thing scoring. Like that's None of them have that as their best trait. Najee Marshall was like an extreme competitor, playmaker, a guy that we thought could really pass and, and defend and and sort of slash, but we never th- saw him as like a shooter and bucket getter. Right. Um, and then obviously Quentin Good and Paul Scruggs, that's not their game either. So I think that's one thing Xavier's having to go through right now is they've had guys that were just bucket getters to their core, and now they don't have that guy that like, I want to score all the time. They've got guys that are all kind of complimentary players that do a lot of other things really well. And I think that's why we both thought Xavier and UC were pretty close, but UC might have just a little bit more of an edge on them because Cumberland is a bucket getter and Kane Broom is a bucket getter. So they had a little bit more in terms of those roles were defined, where Xavier has got to develop into those roles, which, as you know, Rick, that's not easy to do at this level, to develop into a bucket getter. It's maybe the most difficult thing that you see in college basketball. Yeah, and it's and it's what this team lacks, obviously, is shooting and scoring. So that's going to be something they deal with all year. If you're looking for a reason to be optimistic, though, that they can get better, I think you saw in this tournament they're battling against themselves way more than they are other right, teams right, right now. It's them cleaning up mistakes because they played with an Auburn team that's very good. 
And they were right there with them because they played pretty well and had great effort, and they didn't screw up too many things other than the ball screen defense stuff. But um, then they play against San Diego State, a team that's not very good, and they have a bunch of different issues. So it's right now it's just finding their level of consistency. And once they do that, I think they're tough enough, they're long enough, they're athletic enough, they can play with a lot of teams, um, but just maybe not consistently because of their offense. Uh, this week, UC plays Arkansas Pine Bluff, but then it does start to get real. And I think it starts to get real with, with NKU. Um, then UNLV's Xavier, okay. And UNLV on Saturday. But yeah, yeah, and it's, on, it's not at home. So, yeah. That, that, that UNLV in the Thomas and Mac will be. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, I, and yeah. UNLV likes to play like UC. They're, they're huge inside. They want an offensive rebound. They want to slow you down. Um, that's going to be ye old rock fight next Saturday in Vegas. But then NKU, Xavier. Yeah. UCLA, Mississippi State. Away. Away. I mean, it, it cranks up real quick. So we'll find out if these last five games were a mirage or if it was really this team kind of figuring it out. Yeah, and, and now you start to look back, and I still don't know how good this Ohio State team is. And they, Pretty well, good. I know, well. The AP poll is what it is, but they're now 23rd in the country this week. So um, they're starting to at least open some eyes and make you go, all right, maybe that wasn't as bad as it, as it looked. But but the thing about UC right now, and this we the last time we recorded, which was two weeks ago, I said if NKU played them right now, that'd be a really interesting game. But UC is going to figure some things out. You see the team we saw against Ole Miss is a completely different yeah. team than what we saw against right. Ohio State a right. few weeks ago. Completely. I mean, it's not it's night and day. The Ole Miss game was by far their most impressive game, but you've seen it coming on for the last three or four well, games. I think a lot of that, inserting Keith Williams into the starting lineup, I think made a difference. Well, and they're getting something out of Kane after yeah. basically right. cutting him off the first few games and like looking like he was going to be benched. He was benched. He was benched. Yeah. <laughs> he's been benched. I mean, he, he's but but maybe he's better in that six man role. I mean I think he's better when you use him. Like, I think, yeah. I think he's better when he when he gets shots. Well, but it, some guys are better for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just a. a it, it, well, it, and it, it is weird. I do like Mick's point that you're subbing to a strength. Like, Correct. You're you're saying we need scoring in this lineup, yes. and then all of a sudden you bring in a guy who's maybe your second best scorer on the team. Well, and and uh, the other thing that Mick said about that was when you start Jennifer, Kane, and Cumberland, your rebounding is not there. Like, your athleticism is way down. Jaron's not going to work on the glass. Yeah. Kane and Justin aren't getting offensive rebounds. So when you switch that up, you put Keith in the starting lineup. Keith gives you some of that now with that group. And then Logan Johnson gives it to you when you bring him in with Kane. Because then you can have Kane drop back defensively and Johnson can attack right. the glass. He had a, an offensive rebound against Ole Miss where his hand just kept going up and up and up and up. And you could see the guys on the bench just cracking up because, I mean, that kid is freakishly athletic. So I, there's some of that to it. And then I think Kane being a, some pop off the bench, because if you don't have him on the bench, you don't have any offense scoring right. really on Coming the bench. Off, right. So it, it's been a pretty good move by Mick so far. Yeah. Um, for Xavier looking at, at lineup construction, um, I know they've done a bunch of different things. Are they close to settling on a a lineup B, a, a, maybe a rotation, or is that still very much a work in progress because of all the inconsistency of different guys? I thought they had a lineup, but now, I mean, the the most interesting develop in the tournament was Elias Harden made some shots, yeah, right. and they don't have a guy who can make shots. Now, Elias Harden has not played well at all, other than he made some shots in the tournament out of nowhere after not playing well at all. So I think they'll try to keep giving him opportunities because it'd be nice if he could give them some scoring off the bench. That's what he was brought in to do. The problem is it's like, well, did he just finally make a couple shots that weren't even that great of decisions to be taking? 
Or is he starting to gain some confidence? He's starting to figure out to where he can give you some confidence as a scorer. Big Elias Harden guy. Do you mean that sincerely? I, I've okay. I'm just I've asking. Been pro Elias Harden okay. since they recruited just, him. I'm just making Am sure. Am I not Rick? Yeah, he's, he likes I, Elias Harden. I'm just making sure. But uh, you know, Keontae Kennedy's actually played some really he, solid minutes off the me. bench too. He I mean, surprised me. He's given them something. So I mean, none of them have like none of the guys off the bench have even Ryan Wellage has right. been clear of like, oh yeah, this is. He deserves these minutes. It goes back and forth with all of them, and I think that may kind of be the way it goes throughout the season. They're just going to have to say, who's well, I mean, got the hot hand right saying, maybe now that's what shooting? You do. I'll, I'll give you a couple shots. You get a couple clean looks. You make them. I'm keeping you in. You miss them. I got a Yankee. I got to give another guy a shot here. And also, you know, is this a team where Ryan Wellage can be on the floor defensively and not right. get, cause problems for us? Is this a team Keontae Kennedy has a decent matchup where he can guard someone? I think those will be those things will be factored in on a game to game basis as well. So don't be surprised if you see, like we saw, Ryan Wellage goes out scores 15, 20 points, and then the next game he only plays six minutes. Like That's going to happen this year because yeah. of the way it works. Yeah, uh, Let's look at the, the conferences for both, at least the early portion of it. Have you seen anything you, you like and, and anything that's made you go, holy cow? Connecticut might be the best team in the American Athletic Conference, maybe. Yeah. With as much as unknown as there is, I'm not sold on Central Florida. I think UC's pretty good, but they have work to do. I think Houston's pretty good, but... The guy that I thought was kind of going to be come in and, and be a difference maker for them, Dijon Giroux, has uh, has been out for the past couple games, listed as team issues. Team issues is not good. <laughs> DNP knee, DNP shoulder, DNP ankle. Okay. Team issues is never a good thing. Not ideal. Never a good thing for that or coach's decision, either one. Those are those that they, they don't really show. They do those in the NBA, but still. So chemistry problems could be worse. Could be worse. Could so, be worse. Uh, I mean, I we saw him pretty much handle Syracuse easily. I think the biggest thing with them, if you watch them, they're playing hard again. They did not play right. hard under Kevin Holly. And it was noticeable when you watch them play. And now they're getting is, back to that. Is Chad a Kevin Ollie fan, do you think? I He's got a ring. The man has been fired, and we're still talking about him. I'm <laughs> just talking about podcast. what they needed to fix if, from if, the Kevin Ollie era. I know that, and I, and I knew that was coming. That's why I was, I was kind of waiting for, for some co- comment on UConn and the success they're having and some shot taken at Kevin Ollie. It wasn't Ollie. a shot. They're playing okay, harder. Fair shot. Is that, okay, is that okay? It was, it was a, a, an observation. Yes. Won a national championship. Man's got a ring. Yeah, he's he the, the worst national championship coach in the history it, of college basketball. You know what they call that? was a shot. Do you know what they call the doctor who graduated last in medical school? Doctor. Doctor. Exactly. You know what they, they call, call the skinniest kid at fat camp? <laughs> fat. Okay. They also call <laughs> Kevin Ollie national champion. They really did. They really I, did. I, I did. I agree with them on this take, though. I said UConn. I said this on Twitter like a week ago. I think UConn's the best team in the conference. I do agree with that. I think they're going to still be. It's them in Houston, but I like them better right now. Yeah. How about uh, how about what you've seen so far in, in the Big East? I know people go, "Oh, Villanova," but man, when you're missing, are you replacing that much? That's a lot, man. Yeah, well, and they've bounced back. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. But it, you know, it, I did talk to some coaches from other teams, not Big East schools, that were like, his system and having guys one that know a system to teach it from a coaching perspective, and also guys that have been in the program for three, four years that are leaders and to can, share it to share it with the other guys is so important to what they do. That's really been sort of the rise of why Villanova has done well the last several years. They didn't have that coming into this right. year, and and a couple different coaches told me they're going to struggle. I think they're already figuring it out quicker than those coaches expected, but they're absolutely right that early they did struggle. The thing about the Big East this year is you don't have those star teams at the top. Right. They don't really have any like top 15 teams, uh, the, not even a team that could maybe have that type of upside, I don't think. Maybe Providence, but I don't think so. I think they're more like top 25-ish. At, but like 
all the way down, the teams are decent. Georgetown right now is like the lowest in Ken Palm, I think, and they're like 87th. Right. Like DePaul's even higher than that. So right now, everyone in the conference can play a little bit, just none of them are that good. Yeah, which once you get the conference play leads to a couple things. It means you're going to have a dogfight every single solitary game. But you're also not going to have those maybe marquee wins where you go, all right, that wins on my resume are, and that wins on my resume. Are there going to are there going to be ten teams at nine and nine in the Big East this year? <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be like that. But the problem is, I don't think they're going to have the scalps in the non conference to where those right. metrics are going to yes. look good when you beat up on each right. other. It's just going to look like, man, these are a bunch of five hundred teams Correct. this year that don't have great records. What they've done the past three years or so is dominate November, mm-hmm. dominate November because even when they've had some bumps in December. The wins, right. the the comp, the 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 holiday tournaments, the the scalps that they got. Nobody really talked about the if they took a little, a few lumps in December because in November that conference had been fantastic the past three or four years. Is it offensive to keep to keep saying scalps after Thanksgiving? So is it too um, soon? Um, no, I think I think the moratorium is like two days. Okay, and we're, yeah. we're a couple of days past. I was so. just making sure because I started it, but I felt bad like once I started thinking about it. I think, I think we're I think, I think we're, we're okay. Good. I think we're okay there. Um, what have you seen from from Kentucky of late that you like and maybe still don't like? I haven't seen a ton of them because they continue to play right around know, the time that time, I have yes. other things yes. going. Looking at the scores, not overly impressive, but it, it seems like at least defensively uh, they're getting a little better other than – how about a guy named Bubba coming in and hitting, what, 13 threes? And they made 19, I think, as a team. It, yeah, they set the record – the Rupp Arena record. VMI. For, yeah, for opponent threes. Um, that Bubba, that's, that's – that's, that's a Rupp VMI Arena. Name, right? That's Rupp Arena yeah, right there. They loved him. Oh, they, yeah. They loved him. Um, a Bubba that shoots threes? Come on now. It, it looks like defensively they're starting to get some things figured Taylor, out. But is Bubba going to start tonight? They don't oh, have. Not, we, don't, we don't have Bubba. Bubba's on the other team. They don't have an elite point guard again. Yeah. And in Cal's system, if you don't have an elite point guard, there are issues. And we're seeing that, I think. I, I have seen uh, – there's been a pretty good sharing of the basketball, though. That's yeah. The thing I, I got a chance to watch him. Was it Friday night, maybe? And I, I'm with you. I haven't had a chance to watch him much myself lately. I thought they moved the ball really well on Friday night. Do you, I mean, they're bigger this year. They're, they are tough inside, I think. They are so dominant on the offensive glass right now. Is that more of a product of them just playing teams that are I so small? That, no question. Because yeah. they're drawing a ton of fouls on offense, too. And I can't tell, like, is this team – Going to be that dominant rebounding and scoring inside and drawing fouls and like because they're giving up so many and, and threes that's the thing I mean because you're, defensively you're so jaded by the Duke game and then you've hit this portion of the schedule where you are just physically bigger and better and stronger and faster and longer and all of those things I think it is hard to tell I think when you get back into kind of that portion of the schedule when did uh, January no they've got they've got a little decent run I think in December I mean the thing is UNC Greensboro no one looks at it as a name but they're actually pretty darn yeah, good right, this year right. and then they play Seton Hall who is Okay, I mean, my house pal, yeah, I mean, dropped well, dropped a forty spot the other night. He might do it against UK the way they're defending the three. Oof. If they if they defend him like that, he will put up forty again. They're allowing opponents to shoot forty three point four percent from three, which is three hundred fiftieth in the country. There's like three hundred fifty three teams, I think. Like, I think that's they like, they are last <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and I, is that a is that a fear of being driven around issue, but you usually have shot blockers back there, although he does not have an elite that, shot yeah, blocker. Yeah, they don't have, a, they don't that have an elite rim shot protection. Blocker. They still have some length back there, though. I mean, you can put Yeah, but, it, big, but length not, is one thing. You have right. to, if guys aren't afraid of that length, correct, correct. they're going to come at I mean, you. Is, is, that, is that maybe you just ran into a couple of teams that just bombed away at you and it's, it's an early portion of the season and the stats are skewed? Or is that, a, is that an issue of, look, 
We're not quick enough. We're starting bigger guys that aren't quick enough to get out on the perimeter and are afraid to be give, go, driven around, so you give up the three. VMI skewed the stats, certainly. No doubt. At the same time, they're giving up a lot of threes in a lot of games. No, right. So right. Um, they've got to figure that. I mean, Xavier's got the same issue right now. So I think one of the things you see with young guys is they don't trust being in help position. So they get halfway in help position, and then someone drives. They have to start to help. And then the ball's getting kicked out to their man. So, like, you can go from a perfect help position, sort of stun at the ball, and jump out to your man. What you can't do is get start caught, no to man jump to land. help side yeah. and then have to go back. You can't start your body two Correct. different directions that quickly at this level. And that's what I think they're starting to find out is I can't recover to shooters if I have to start two steps into help position and then recover. They need to get all the way into help position. Now, Kentucky's a little bit different defensively. That's more of a Xavier thing I've seen a lot. But I think Kentucky's having similar things in their rotations where they just don't trust their system exactly, and then they're late getting to things. Yeah, I, I've seen, and I, like I said, I haven't watched a ton, but I've seen them getting beat off the bounce a little more than you would expect as well. Yeah, and that's why I think if, if you're fearful of that, what are you going to do on a catch? You're going to give a guy a little bit of space yeah. for the fear you're going to get blown by and get and driven bang. by. And and you remember a lot of, of, of what took place in the summer and then the Duke game was Cal preaching about straight line drives and just getting their ass kicked on that. So you start hearing that. Yep. Well, I'm not going to get beat on a straight line drive, man. I'll let you shoot a jump shot over me. Well, these dudes can make it this level if you're going to give them room. Yeah, if your hand's not up and you're, yeah. not, you're not contesting, guess what? Yeah. Those shots are going in. Yeah. Even D. Davis can hit open shots in a season where he's shooting 19%. <laughs> Sling him from the back of his head, baby. P.J. Washington, by the way. Starting to play starting like the man, man. Yeah, and starting the man up. They needed bit. that. So that is, I think that's one thing to be optimistic about with Kentucky is he's he's getting some things done all of a sudden to go along with Reed Travis. Now if you can get a guard or wing to play with those two guys, you got something. Yeah. I, I, that one, I looked really wrong on P.J. Washington last year. So if he could come around this He'd year. make you look better. Make me look a little better make, make on my, little my Kentucky better. evaluation. Exactly. Uh, Rick, NKU went and played uh, arguably their their. their Toughest game of the season. I don't even argue, but really, I guess their toughest game of the season at Central Florida. Hung with them for a half. 34-32 was the halftime score. Uh, ended up losing by, what, 12, I guess it was. Um, didn't didn't shoot the ball very well in the second half. I know you always you watch the game. What, what did you think of NKU? Is this just the fact of, look, they're playing on the road against a team that is better? Or did you look and go, man, that was a winnable game that they, they had a shot if they do some things better? When you're playing a team like that, it's significantly more talented than you you have to play almost not necessarily a perfect game for NKU, but you have to play really, really well, right? They started 0 for 9 from 3 in the second half, and at that point, you knew against a team with a 7-7 center, you're not going to, you're not going to have a good night. Um, they had to shoot better if they wanted to actually have a chance to pull the upset. So no, I don't think they could have won the game, but the first half, I, you won't be surprised to hear this, Chad, they were the much better coached team. Um, UCF was scoring simply because they had a 7-7 guy and they had the coach's son. Dawkins was fantastic. What, uh, what's your what's your read on him? I haven't really gotten to sit down and watch them. Well, against NKU, he was really good. They don't have a guy that can match up with kind of his combo of length, athleticism. I mean, 6-7, and two guard, basically. And he's skilled, yeah. yeah. Um, and the biggest problem for NKU is Drew McDonald is their best player, but Jalen Tate is their best, like, He's their best prospect in terms of he could play up a level. He can defend at the high major level. He can handle like a high major guard would. And he didn't play because um, we're told he has an undisclosed injury. He was at the end of the bench. I don't team issues. Totally, team, team issues. Look, they they said an undisclosed injury on the broadcast. We're sticking with that for now. But it was surprising the way it came up so quietly. Um, if he's in that game, I think it does look different because then you've got your best defender to guard. Dawkins and maybe you have a much better chance um, without him Drew was exactly how you'd expect Taco couldn't come out and guard him yeah, so Drew lit him up yeah, yeah from the outside and and uh, they couldn't get a lot of help early in the second half that 
they just couldn't hit shots, period. So um, the UC game, I think, has a chance to be interesting. But again, two weeks ago or a week ago, that game would have been a whole lot more interesting. I think UC is starting to figure things out now. Um, but NKU has some big ones. I mean, they've got a, a chance at Moorhead State that you got to mm-hmm. win. And then you play UMBC, which is kind of a fun game. UMBC is coming here after beating Virginia in the tournament yep. last year. They're, they're not great this year, but it's still a pretty fun game to be playing. Yeah, it suddenly becomes a name on your on your, uh, on your your schedule that you wouldn't have thought was going to be a name it's on your schedule. good scheduling. Just, just because of that. Well, you schedule the year after they they beat the team yeah. uh, that, that was the number one seed in Virginia because you know usually that's a senior-laden team. <laughs> right, right. That's the reason they won that right. game, and they're not going to catch that lightning in a bottle again. Yeah, so they play those games Tuesday and then Friday. So, I mean, a pretty big week leading into uh, another big opportunity against a high-major opponent. There we go. Uh, anything else that you've seen in the college basketball landscape you want to discuss? Um, it, It's really interesting looking right now. It, it, I think there's three teams – that are kind of separate from the pack. Duke, Gonzaga, Duke, Gonzaga and Kansas. Kansas yep. Um, four through 30. I don't know that there's, there's much difference that just from bouncing around through all these tournaments and watching teams look one way. I mean, it's, it's again, November, right? Look one way one night and then you watch them the next night and you're like, same guys, right? Good and bad. So uh, there's, I, I just don't see a lot at the top. I see a lot of solid teams after those top three. It, it's kind of I, I think I might have Auburn ahead of Kansas. I just the one thing Ooh. Auburn plays Kansas so really good, man. Auburn plays so hard, and they're going to do that all year. I it, the only thing I the only reason I wouldn't is Auburn can get sloppy. Yeah, but that's their style. I, mean, I know, but that, that, and, that, and sloppy that, defensively. Yeah, that's but, I mean, that, that's because they're trying to force right. turnovers no the whole question. game, and that's no what they no do. Question. But they, I mean, they gave Duke all they wanted. They did. Uh, they did. I mean, there's not a lot of teams in the country that can do that without. And Auburn didn't like play all that well offensively. I, I think Kansas could, though. I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not in love with Kansas. I think I think they're good. I don't. I don't think they're a national championship contender. I think it's it's going to be Duke or Gonzaga. I think they're probably a step below Duke and Gonzaga. I'll give yeah. you that, but I think they're third. Um, Rick and I got a chance to talk Wednesday. I want to ask you though the the, the Gonzaga. Oh, that podcast over, you do without me? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's the potpourri podcast. How, how many do podcasts it? do you want us to do with you? Yeah. Zero. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. No. Uh, the what did you make of Gonzaga's win over Duke? I mean, I I think so much hype had been made over Duke. I, I told him there was a there was a uh, there's a guy that he's on Twitter. That I guess. He's a news anchor, I think, in Orlando. He and some buddies had put up $500 on the money line. Dave, that works for me, did that. Okay. And, and they were going to just there let There were seven ride. of them. They put $100 each. And they they were going to let it ride, ride on the, the money line well, the entire season. Their, their pot's already, already busted. Yeah, they're done. I mean, what, what, what did you make of that other than Gonzaga we already knew was really good? Well, Gonzaga's different this year. Because they got a guy. Because they got Rui Hachimura, yeah. who is phenomenal. And that gives them that elite guy they, they you know they've still got and and they're still playing without one of their best players uh, who's out with an injury Killian Tilly so I mean but Josh Perkins and, and they've got guys that are really solid and that that have been in the system and and that are that have been on deep runs in the tournament and know how to win and now they got a lottery pick I mean Rui might be he might break up that one two three Duke at the top of the draft deal because I could see a team taking him top three. I watched him a ton in Indy last year um, for AAU, and it was just ridiculous. I mean, he's unfair. So good. I mean, he's so skilled in addition to 
all the other attributes he has that, yeah, I'm with, I mean, if he's top five, I wouldn't be surprised. They're, they're different than what we've seen from Gonzaga. Yeah, and the, and they're the, not the little engine that could. Well, that's anyway. the thing. When you watch that game, it wasn't like Gonzaga wanted to control pace, control tempo. No, they said, let's go. It was, li- it was literally, let's go. We're going to play you at your game because it's our game. That's yeah. the way we want to play. And I thought that was the most interesting thing to me. If They just said, hey, we're going to play the way we want to play. You play the and way you want to play. And, and 34 minutes, they kicked their they ass. They kicked their ass. It was a great, you know, obviously, run at the end for, yeah. for Duke to make it a two-point finish. But that was the thing to me. It wasn't, again, like you controlled tempo or you looked around and like, hey, Duke got a bunch threes. of good looks. Yeah, Duke got a bunch of good looks and didn't didn't convert. No, man, no. it was going to play our game. Him. Yeah, I, that's, that's, that was my takeaway from that is Gonzaga outplayed him. I don't think it diminishes anything of what you think of the, of those, of the Duke big three or that Duke basketball no. team. I think you saw, you know, without – I doubt probably the two best teams in the country at this point in time going at it. That was fun, too. It was it fun. It was fun. It was fun, for sure. Sports are fun. Sports can be fun. They're not always fun. They can be fun. Not always. Sports are pretty fun. Yeah, sports. Unless you're a Bengals fan right yeah, now. Yeah, that's not fun. Or if you're covering them right now, that's not fun. See my tweet today? I did not. What did you tweet out? UConn thinks this Bengals defense is bad. There you go. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one for they're, sure. They're on track to, to, to be somebody was like, come on now. And I'm like, well... UConn is the worst defense in college football history. And the Bengals, and the Bengals are, are on, on, pace, on pace, ahead of pace, to be the worst team in NFL history on defense. Did you see the stat on UConn coming into the I, weekend? I can only imagine how bad it is. They had to hold Temple. How many To set the record for yards, what do you think they had to hold Temple to? I'll say 61. Negative 138. They had already set the record wow. coming into game 12. That's brutal. <laughs> and they gave up another ECU, ECU hung fifty five on them. Hung fifty five and six hundred yards Correct. on that Correct. UConn. That's defense. why I actually thought ECU had a chance to keep that game within two touchdowns because of what they did against UConn. Yeah, well, if you look at some of their other games of late, they've actually been gaining a bunch of yards. Me, you, Rick, Gamble, Claskins. We could put together a team that could get four hundred yards on UConn. We'd have to put Rapine on that team too. He'd want to play. He's not here anymore. I know, but he'd want to play. He'd want to play. Yeah. Tony Pike could be the quarterback. Does arm work? Uh, works enough to beat to, to beat that defense. All you do is probably hand off. For Wait, goodness sakes, Pike and I are having some fun this weekend. I'll bet you. Friday are. we were. I'll bet I, you are. I was. This is a, this is a jerk that Tony Pike is. So there was, you know, the the kicker bag of footballs. Yes. Somebody put a helmet on top of it. And it was a really good shot of like a UC helmet with the C Paul and a bag of footballs with the C Paul on it. It was so I'm, you know, getting artsy a little bit, taking a picture of it for cover stuff in the in the in the off months. Pike sends out a picture. Just so you guys know, this is what Chad Brendel does during games. And I'm standing there with my camera pointed at a freaking bag of footballs. That's all I mean, but the thing is you're looking for an artsy shot. He doesn't know that. He's no, so then I, I, I caught him talking to a security officer and said Pike's being interrogated. Uh, here in the fourth quarter, and he said, I'm innocent again. <laughs> the, the only thing I know is his mic worked on Friday, which it's not worked much lately. And then I and then I got a picture of him talking to Mickens, and I said, here's Tony Pike reliving his four-interception game in the Orange Bowl with teammate Mike Mickens. He owns it. He, he does own He it. owns it. I got to give him credit for that. He absolutely owns it for sure. All right, any final take from you? Uh, just rest in peace, Gresh. Yep. Nicely, nicely said. Nicely but, said. I, you know, don't want to get into – everything but you you spend a lot of time around somebody you get to know them yeah tom gresham's who you're talking about the inquirer sports writer who, who passed away this week uh you see i think did a nice tribute they did a they moment did. of silence in the press box at the Bengals game today which was very nice they had a seat reserved with yep. his picture um good guy it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird tomorrow going into a, a media availability yeah. and 
no one Gresh has in common. Yep. So yep. rest in peace and thoughts and prayers to his family and no friends question. and everybody. No question. Rick Bourne, you got a final take for me? Nope. No darts, final takes? Nope. All right, there we go. It's been a skinny podcast. It's college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.